travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode number 10, and this is going to be a tasty one. We are talking about drinking beer in Southeast Asia, something that I, Scott Coates from Kuala Lumpur, am passionate about. And I know that my co-host Trevor Rangis, who's in Hawaii at the moment, is even probably more keen about it. Howdy to you, Trevor. Aloha, Scott. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Doing great. And uh, this topic is just one that I'm I'm super pumped about. Uh, I mean, I think we, we both love, you and I, flavorful beers and those being Europeans or microbrews from Canada or the States. And um, it's getting better in Southeast Asia, but traditionally in Southeast Asia, most of the beers are the mass-produced Heineken's, Carlsberg's, maybe Asahi, but the point is lagers that are just not super tasty. But there are some interesting finds out there and we're out to discover them today yeah you know most travelers who come to southeast asia they're aware of sing which a lot of people mispronounce singha beer in thailand and beer chong which right. uh, most backpackers buy a t-shirt of while they're visiting to to wear when they get home um, but i think a lot Must of people have. aren't really aware of uh, the diversity of the, they're not aware of the diversity of the beer scene here and how it's really evolving yeah, it's, it's changed quite a bit. And country to country, while lager is sort of the mainstay, it's kind of funny. You and I have commented when we go to Cambodia, like, why is Guinness extra stout? And then some of the local Cambodian stouts available and, and people are drinking it, whereas their neighbors like Vietnam and Laos and Thailand don't. And you and I were saying, well, maybe um, it's because of French and English colonialism, because in Malaysia, stouts are also popular here. They're locally brewed and drank fairly cheaply too so there is that slight difference country to country yeah you know one of the things i mean i like to drink ales and i like to drink some some darker more full-bodied beers so i think it's great that traditionally you could get like a guinness extra stout in cambodia they have the black panther extra stout um but but for the most part yeah um you know it's mostly lagers with a small variety traditionally yeah, well, we're going to bring in a couple real beer experts, uh, a couple guys that you're good friends with and I've met before uh, from a company called Beer Vanna to kind of tell us a bit more about things shortly. But before we do that, why don't you and I just blast through a couple of the beers that people can find in each country? What do you say? Do you want to lead things off with, say, Lao and Myanmar, Trevor? Yeah, you know, and, and one of the things I like to do is I, I collect beer glasses. So I do have a beer Lao and a Myanmar beer glass. And in Myanmar, I think that was the only beer that I remember being available there. Maybe there's like a Bagan beer that I have a, a photo of a beer label of. Um, but I know yeah. that tra travelers who come through the region definitely do uh, get an appreciation for the beer Lao, which is the national beer of, of Laos, um, which is actually pretty tasty suds. Yeah, I think... Uh 
somehow Lau ended up with this great beer. And then they also have the Beer Lau Dark, which is 6.5%. And it's seriously tasty. So when you're in Lau, that you know the bases are covered. You've got a good beer, both a lager and then a dark lager by them. And I think you're right on Myanmar. I think it's just the one beer. But I think they might swap, like you said, like maybe just throw a Bagan on it when you're there. Um, why don't we slide right over to Cambodia? I know Cambodia, I mean, it's got a, a range. One that always puzzles me, and I have a good laugh, is there's there's Angkor beer, named after the Angkor Empire, and then there's Anchor, or Anchor, as I hear some people call it, and that's from Singapore. Basically, same, same, but different. Two lagers, one's brewed in Cambodia, well, they're both brewed there, but same, same, uh, just whatever you have a preference for, I think. And then you had mentioned the stouts, so tell us, what <laughs> what's a Black Panther? Hey, you know, Black Panther is just like, it's like eight or eight and a half percent alcohol, extra stout, and uh, they they cost about a dollar a can. And and that's one of the cool things about Cambodia is just that whether you're drinking Anchor with a CH or Anchor with a GK, um, beers are really cheap in Cambodia and you can get like a happy hour beer for around 50 cents. Yeah, it's killer. It's one of the things that really uh, adds to my waistline when I go there. It's tough to say no to a beer there. It's uh, it's a fantastic place to drink. And then there's a number of places, right, that you can actually get micro-brew beer, especially in the capital Phnom Penh. Yeah, in Phnom Penh, they have the Kingdom Brewery, and uh, there's a small nano brewery at the Himawari Hotel. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I when I was there doing some, some research uh, for a travel project, uh, I discovered a beer called the uh, Manhan Lao, which makes a jade beer, which uses natural spirulina extract. Um, so there are some really good hidden gems out there for travelers to discover when they're cruising around the region and uh, it's incredibly hot and you just need something to refreshing to cool off with. Yeah, and then something pretty modern and, and quite Western that's worth checking out is Kingdom. Um, well, I'm not the biggest fan of their beers. They have a, a Pilsner and then sometimes a Dark, but they have a little brew pub just outside of the city that's well worth a visit if you're in town and you love beer. And actually, if you ask, often they'll show you around too. Yeah, that brew pub is it's a great little uh, place to hang out and have a beer. It's just too bad it's a little far north of the city that most uh, visitors don't get a chance to go there. But I think uh, it's worth a little tuk-tuk ride up there to check it out. Yeah, absolutely. So slide over to Thailand. What's going on there with beer? Well, yeah, Thailand's one of the focuses that we're going to discuss today because our guests are based there in Bangkok. Uh, but traditionally, you know, it's the standard lagers, uh, Heineken and Asahi and Beer Sing and Beer Chang. But, uh, you know, there are a few brew pubs that are worth checking out. And there's this uh, vibrant new craft beer scene that we're going to discuss today. Yeah, and those lagers that you mentioned tend to be around 5%, and Chang is like up at 6.5 or 6.2, I think, and then the competitor bargain braced beer, Leo, by Sing is about 5.5. So for the most part, in a bottles at 7-Eleven, you're just getting your lagers. And then come down to somewhere like Malaysia here, and it can be a wee bit tough at times to find beer if you're in, say, a Malay area, but they have the standard lagers covered, but then again, they have Guinness uh, Stout in cans too so um, you get a bit of darker beer down here so there's some good variety but tastier beer is happening yeah and i think uh, the last country in the region that uh, we might want to discuss here is vietnam which has quite a vibrant uh, beer brewing culture and i think in part uh, back when they were still uh, kind of ostracized by the western world they had relations with uh, the communist nations including the czech republic and uh, so I think they have this rich brewing culture that that 
has some roots in, in their Czech uh, alliance, I, I guess you could call it. And there's even the Hoa Vien Brauhaus, which is an honorary Czech consulate. And uh, <laughs> it's, a really in- it's a really interesting place to go and check out. And it, 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 they really try and capture that European feel in the bar and in the brew pub that's, uh, that's also worth visiting. Yeah, it's solid for beer. I was surprised. I went there years ago with my dad, and we were in Hanoi, and we kept going to a couple different brew pubs with some nice darker beers. And then, of course, there's Biahoy on the street, the fresh beers it's called, made by people on their own, and they just throw a little keg down on the side of the road, and they tap it, and for like 10, 20 cents, you have a glass. So, I mean, they've got the bases covered there. Yeah, drinking the Biahoy, I think, is a really cool experience. Uh, it's a really good way to meet people because uh, – you drink the beer on a little stool on the sidewalk uh, with other travelers, and the beer is really cheap. And, uh, and and you can stay out there pretty late at night on the street drinking beer with random friends. Yeah, okay, cool. Let's bring in our guests. Today's guests have such a love for fine beer and an affinity for Southeast Asia that they made it their profession. Aaron Greaser and Brian Bartouche are the founders of Beervana, a craft beer import and distribution company based in Bangkok. They're now in their second year of operation, and Beervana has literally revolutionized the beer scene in the country. Hey, Brian. Hey, Aaron. How are you guys doing today? Very well. Doing, doing good. Thanks, guys. So today we're recording uh, in three different locations. I'm here at home in Honolulu, Hawaii. Scott is in Kuala Lumpur, and you guys are at the hub in Bangkok, Thailand, yeah? That's right, at the Birvana Hub, the warehouse where all of the good beer in Thailand lives. Wonderful. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, happy to be here, man. Thanks for the opportunity to talk. Yeah, thank you. Next time, let's do this from Honolulu, though. (laughs) Yeah. third that motion. Or the hub. We were supposed to record this there at the hub over beers last time, uh, and we had a little bit of a scheduling conflict. But uh, hey, um, so when we get started here, why don't you guys give us a little background uh, on on yourselves and how long you've lived in the region and uh, what you did before you got into the beer business? Cool. Okay, I'm Brian, and I've been in Thailand about nine years. I've been working in F&B boutique hotel down on the beach in southern Thailand. And went through Le Cordon Bleu over here at the Dusit Tani Hotel. Um, always had a love of craft beer since uh, my first craft beer when I was about 19 years old. And noticed there was a serious lack of it over here. So it was a great day when I met Aaron and we came together to change that. Awesome. Yeah, and a little bit of, a little bit of background on myself. Basically, American kid uh, came over here for the first time 12 years ago, actually, uh, as a kind of a hippie idealist. Uh, working with the Thai government, developing uh, a specific kind of environmental policy for for the, the country, and really fell in love with Thailand at at that point. But then the subsequent year went back to the states for graduate school, and uh, eventually like was working in D.C. And one of my friends from grad school called me up and recruited me to come back to Bangkok. That was in uh, in 2010, and so I came back to Bangkok, worked as a lawyer for a couple of years, uh, developing renewable energy projects in Southeast Asia. And then uh, the kind of entrepreneurial calling happened and uh, basically got, got a fire under my butt to bring the, the same beer that we you know, knew and loved from back home to the place that we now call home. And so that all, that all kind of came together when uh, one day when, when Brian and I met, basically, we, we realized that each of us had separately had the same idea and uh, we decided to join forces and start Birvana. That's great. Yeah, and you guys... Did an excellent job there for sure. I love how your backgrounds really 
I mean, aside from loving beer, aren't beer, and you meet so many entrepreneurs that what they're doing isn't what they studied. That's really cool. Who actually does what they studied in college? <laughs> honestly, <laughs> that's somewhat yeah, true. Yeah. But no, I mean, and that's great too because I think beer is one of those things that that people are really passionate about, and uh, and I think a lot of people that end up getting into the beer business are people who just do it for the love of beer. And that actually has become our tagline, actually, for the love of beer. We're not doing it for money, obviously. <laughs> We're not doing it for fame or anything else like that. You know, it's just it's basically just because we really love the beer and really from day one wanted to create a more vibrant beer scene in Thailand. Well, that's great. And, uh, you know, I think there is a lot of people who, who are beer lovers. And, uh, and we're really happy that Beervana is around. Uh, we'll get back to Beervana and, and, and the business side of it a little bit later. But in our introduction, we talked about the different beer scene in the different regions around uh, Southeast Asia. And we just wanted to know what you guys think, uh, for starters, what is the most interesting thing about the local beer scene in Southeast Asia? Southeast Asia as a whole. Um, for me, the, the most interesting thing is kind of happening in Vietnam with Beer Hoi, this kind of fresh, daily, locally made beer that a lot of the little cafes make right on site. Uh, it's not regulated. It's, um, it's totally legal, though, to homebrew. It's kind of something that just happens in the kitchens. And this is fresh, right, right. low alcohol, really kind of, um, you know, kind of weak local beer. But it, to me, there's a ton of potential there. And just the fact that there's a brewing culture in the back of a cafe is really interesting. <laughs> yeah, super cool drinking that in the street sides. Yeah, out of a plastic milk jug for like, you know, less than less than 50 cents or something for a, for a half gallon. Yeah, it's a cheap night. <laughs> <laughs> cheap hangover. <laughs> Yeah. And it's really, it's a, it's a fun social thing as well, I think, because, you know, a lot of these beer hoy businesses are just set up on the street corners and, and people sit around on little plastic stools and, and it's kind of a social event sharing beer. Yeah, absolutely. And it's for me just a throwback to, you know, maybe the, uh, the, the, the birth of craft beer in places uh, where people just brewed, brewed because they wanted to do it themselves. And it shows you that it's not that hard to make beer, that anyone can do it. If you, if you try, you, you can make some drinkable beer. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's, def it's definitely pretty cool. Um, it's, it's one of the more fun travel aspects of, of that country. I think when I used to be involved in a travel business, it was a part of an evening out in, in usually Hanoi as we would actually, you know, get our guests to sit on little stools and just sit there and be part of it and watch it happen. And I think it's an integral experience when you go to Vietnam. So it's pretty cool that you, you mentioned that one, Brian. Yeah, it's something I wish I saw more of that kind of, you know, just the home brewing on a level that is just everywhere. You can just go and get a freshly made beer. Although, you know, they need, they need to learn a little bit more about hops and, uh, and roasted malts and make some more interesting beers. But they're, they're making beer all over the place. It's cheap. It's refreshing. And I just love that they're, you know, they're, they're just brewing. They're not, they're not um, worried about making the perfect beer and they're not spending time online and going to courses and YouTube. They're just, they're just brewing beer. Right, cool. So, Aaron, what do you think is one of the most interesting things about uh, the local beer scene in Southeast Asia? Yeah, so actually, I think traditionally the local beer scene—if you just look at the big picture—there's uh, it's it's been kind of the the a, a lot of the main ingredients are similar to the birth of the craft beer movement in the United States. Actually, you start off with this giant monolith <clears throat> of mega beer companies that, through connections and through sheer size. Uh, dominate the local markets, and then 
basically all of the or, or a lot of the small local craft breweries have this kind of you know like Star Wars esque rebellion you know kind of attitude to attitude to them that where they're like you know really pushing against like the big uh, the big brewers to try to eke out a market the evil empire that's a good point and, and you know here in the US now I think the craft beer segment makes up like 25% of the market um, aside from Vietnam do you see that kind of inventive beer scene developing anywhere else in the region so it's interesting, actually. You got to kind of take each country in its own because, I mean, Southeast Asia to me is is more similar to Europe than it is to the states in that each country is dramatically different. It has a very dramatically different history than its neighbors. Whereas in the states, every state's different, but that's mostly like legislative because, like, after uh, prohibition or during prohibition, a lot of the laws were written separately, you know, by by local legislatures. So here, like, you just have cultural differences and historical differences is just very different in every country. So I think like what's super interesting is like every country has its own little scene growing and it's growing. I, I think every craft brewer in the, in the region reflects kind of the broader beer scene, both legally and kind of market wise and culture wise. So it's pretty cool. So for example, uh, looking at Indonesia, one of the coolest little brewers there actually just shut down. Uh, storm brewing out of Bali and those guys are they were brewing actually really good local craft beer there but uh, they had some regulatory problems and ran into to some problems with the Indonesian government that were basically the cause of those problems was opaque it's basically pretty regular pretty kind of like b behind the curtain kind of stuff and so that's very interesting that like you know a small brewery there uh, did fine on its own while it, while it remained small but Storm uh, did the thing of basically building a larger brewery that it wanted to basically begin distribution across Indonesia and, of course, Southeast Asia. And that once they got to that size where they actually could be a bit of a threat to the establishment, they, they were pretty quickly shut down, actually. Yeah, you know, I, w I was a big fan of the Storm beer. It was really great. And I, I traveled to the Geely Islands, and uh, I actually happened to find a bottle of the, the Storm Stout that, that was still on the shelf and, and still, like, it was a week before the born-on date expired, you know. Um, so so you took care of all the bottles, didn't you? And there was nothing left. Uh, and the brewer, yeah. Steve Spinney, remains in Bali and like he's a really great guy like super super local guy you go visit him and he'll invite you to his house and you can sit around and I think he's actually now making meat pies actually oh, wow so wow, like he's, wow. he's kind of moved on to a very different uh, kind of thing but basically it's just very interesting to see kind of how that's how that's developed in, in comparison to say Singapore where uh, you know Singapore is famous in Southeast Asia basically very transparent uh, the laws are very open, and homebrewing is actually legal there. So that's something where, like, in Singapore now, you have a couple of local brewers who are doing pretty good stuff, uh, and, and the limit really isn't as much the regulation or the kind of corruption stuff, and it's more the actual the market. Like, will the market actually take to what you want to sell? Right, and isn't it Brewworks down there in Singapore that's brewing? I, I seem to remember having some pretty tasty beer down there. Yeah, Brewworks is rocking, man. They're a great local brewery. Brian and I did the tough work a couple years ago of traveling around the region and trying to find really good local craft brewers. And for us, I think <clears throat> consistently, Brewers came out as one of the best local craft breweries in the area just because they have, you know, like really solid, sessionable beers. Uh, they do European style, they do American style, and they also, 
kind of experimented a bit with like local ingredients and local brewing, that kind of thing. So they were actually pretty interesting, and they would have right. about 14 beers on tap at any given time. Yeah, the one thing I, I, I noted, and it's good for listeners to keep in mind, I was just down there last weekend, and as, as far as if you're going to drink beer down there, like take your wallet. It is an expensive place to drink, though, huh? Truth is spoken. <laughs> no, but at the, at the same time, I think Singapore is one of the more interesting places for, for travelers to to experience beer. Because when I was down there recently, I went to a brewery called, I think, Level 23 or Level 31 or something like that. 33, the, the tallest microbrewery in the world on the 33rd floor. And it just has like a spectacular hmm. view and their beer was pretty good. And then just up the street from there, there was another little craft beer bar. And it seems like there's a pretty cool scene for, for visitors to, like, cruise around and get some good beers and do some sightseeing along the way. You Absolutely. Know? I think if you want to go town by town in Southeast Asia and you want to get the best selection of beer mm. from around the world, Singapore's it. Like, that's the, every, pretty much anything available in the region is available there. It's funny how Singapore up till a few years ago, had this reputation of being sort of the stodgiest in the region and the most restricted. And now their clubs there are open later than most other countries in the region. And like you're saying, they have an open brewing uh, scene. It's kind of funny how obviously the government at some point realized that all this stuff, drinking late and brewing, could be could be good for the social scene and, and tourism. That's right. I think part of it actually it seems to me like my take on it is that they're they're actually trying to work on uh, getting international people to want to stay there so mm. a, a lot of yeah. it, like, they did this big cultural pivot or they did this big pivot from being like kind of a, a powerhouse to like working on soft power and so now they're really trying to become right. a hub for startups and do all this like much more kind of intellectual capital and so to 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 attract people and to retain people in, in the area man you got to have good beer <laughs> yeah, that uh, that is what the people demand to be happy is their booze, don't they? On on just one technical question that you guys all know, I've always wondered, like a lot of the beer in this part of the world has rice in it, whereas a lot of the beer in the West doesn't. What's the big difference in taste and, and why are they using rice? I mean, they obviously have it, but people might notice a slight difference in the taste. Am I correct? Correct. Uh, it's more of the mass, the mass market commercial beers that are using rice or in the States, maybe corn syrup. Um, it's you know it's a it's a legitimate adjunct or a kind of a a cheap source of sugar to to put into mass market pilsners and lagers. Mm. Um, it's really just right. just going for profit margins where that comes in. It does affect the flavor. Um, there's a few craft breweries that that might use a little bit of rice and corn when they're replicating traditional styles, but it's going to be less than ten okay. percent probably. Um, so you'll see that used more. A higher percentage of it, more in the in the mass market commercial beers, uh, and they're really just going for the bottom line, the profit. Okay, can you tell us about maybe a brewery each that in the region that you're kind of pretty impressed with? I mean, we already touched on Brewworks, but I know there's a few others. Maybe each of you can pick one one beer or brewery that you really like in the region, and then tell us why travelers should give it a shot. Um, that's tough. I would, I mean, just for a go-to, that's pretty easy to find and, and a very good beer. I would say beer Lao. Um, it's the only beer coming out of the country of Lao. Um, the story is it's kind of a leftover recipe from when the French were there and it's a solid beer. It's definitely the best local kind of commercially available, readily available beer. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, and, and Beer Laos has been quite popular with travelers. We touched on that a bit in the introduction. But it's cool that when you're in Laos, they actually have uh, a couple of different varieties of beer that you can't get, like in Thailand and the neighboring countries. Yeah, there is. I think there's a Beer Lao Gold, and then the Dark, of course, is there as well. Tasty. Yeah, I think there's I think there's one called the Special or something like that. And, and they only came in the big bottles. Oh, okay, cool. I've got to get back up to Laos. <laughs> see it's a beer is a reason to try exactly what would oh your yeah what would your pick be Aaron? uh if i was gonna go through the smaller breweries around the region i actually like kingdom out of uh, cambodia mm. as a local yeah. brewery let, let me just be clear there's uh thailand is very difficult for local craft breweries uh the legal framework makes <laughs> it very difficult to brew here so there's there, there's really not a lot of in, innovative and interesting beers being produced in thailand legally uh, there's, yeah. there's plenty happening kind of un, like, like under the table kind of things, so to speak. So that there's plenty of people homebrewing illegally, uh, but not really happening on a commercial scale. So if you're looking at the commercial level that's existing now, I'd say Kingdom is a great brewery doing just solid, uh, European style Pilsners, but they're like, you know, craft brewed, that kind of thing. Yeah. Trevor and I have both been there together uh, a couple of times and, it's been the start of a pretty ugly evening. <laughs> no, that was really good. That was a good night. That's a, a whole episode right there, I think, that night out. Um, but you know yeah. what? I don't know if you guys have been to the Himawari Hotel in Phnom Penh. They, they were doing like a nano-scale brew system there at the Himawari, and I heard they were selling it at like the, the River House or the Riverside uh, in town as well. Yeah, I know the guy. He's a Singaporean guy named Neo who set that brewery up, and he runs one of the homebrewing supply shops and websites out of Singapore. Um, he's also like a real beer geek. He's a um, BJCP or Beer Judge Certification Program official judge. And he went over and set that, that at the Himawari, he set that brewery up. So I haven't tried the beers yet, but I'm a big fan of Neo and uh, definitely another vi- a reason to, uh, to get to Cambodia. Yeah, it was pretty pricey, I remember, in comparison to other beers in the city, even like double the price of kingdom or something but uh they close early too trevor and i went to go there i think and they close at 10 or 10 30 so it's a reason to get out a little earlier i guess in cambodia yeah but you know there was a few different breweries there was that man manhan lao where they make the spirulina extract beer it's like a chinese restaurant that does a cambodian dancing show yeah so that's one of the the cool things i mean about my job and and trying to explore and find things to recommend to travelers is that you know in, in Phnom Penh, certainly in Ho Chi Minh City and in Vietnam, there's all sorts of cool little breweries to explore. Um, do you guys know anywhere, like, because we talked about Beer Lao, but do you know any breweries in the region where people can drop in and do a tour or get to talk to the brewers or anything? In Thailand, there's a couple. Uh, these are legal microbreweries that are popped up in, over the years in Thailand, predominantly with a German focus. And they have, you know, the typical Weizen, Dunkel, and Lager. There's one... Um, Tawan Dang is the, is the famous one. And then there's one called the German Country Brew Place that's up uh, north of Bangkok, about an hour outside of the city. And uh, Carl's the brewmaster there. He's doing some interesting beers, and he'd love to give anyone a tour. He'd love to talk beer. And, uh, you know, when you meet Carl and talk beer, you're, you're, you've got a beer in your hand the entire time. <laughs> or, or two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you've met him, Travis. How would you guys... S- say the the beer scene's changed in the region in your time like you're both 
kind of close to a decade there or just over a decade and it sounds like you're pretty well traveled how has the scene changed mm. i'd say completely yeah in the last like there was a flowering there there were flowering of kind of first generation small brewers about like uh 10 15 years ago and they really this is like the brewworks or the uh red dot in singapore or some of these older guys and uh, or the, the Bali Storm, like those guys, and mm. now there's just there's a second generation of, of beers that are popping up all over. So, if you look in, in, sorry, so then you have like a bunch of local brewers there. But a lot of what's happening mostly in the region is is the predomination of import beers. And so it used to be typically in most beer scenes, you'll have the kind of blonde lager monolith that will exist as a backdrop. And then uh, the first imports you'll typically get into a country will be German-style beers or British ales that will be served in Belgians, and then Belgian. Mm, yeah, and like the Belgians are really the the kind of uh, the, the the gateway beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's you know, I, like Belgian beers for European beers are some of the most innovative and creative beers coming out of Europe. I would say, at least as far as traditional styles. And so when people get hooked on the uh, Belgian beer style, it's it, it's it's not a very far step from there to get into the American craft style beers. And so what's been interesting is like uh, one of our friends down in Singapore was the first importer of craft beers into Singapore. He started six years ago. Right now there are at least sixteen importers of craft beer just in Singapore. And so, like you're getting wow. from all over the world there, and it's it's heating up. Like competition is huge. Uh, a, a couple of years ago, we were lucky enough to be the first uh, people to import craft in, into Thailand. We started uh, one year and 10 months ago, or 11 months ago. So, like, and we were the first people to do it. Now there's six different importers that we know of so far uh, doing craft beer. And that's actually, it's not a bad thing at all. It's great because it means better beer all around. And, it, and, you know, everybody's getting turned on to good craft beer. And it's a full on trend now. Uh, if you look at, but, but now if you look at, say, the the uh, the other South Southeast Asian countries, Indonesia has no craft beer, Cambodia has no craft beer, Laos has no craft beer, mm. uh, <laughs> Burma has no craft beer importing. To our knowledge, Vietnam doesn't have any either. So it's a very uh, it's a very like uh, nascent scene. Like we actually just got approached by people in three different countries in the last two weeks to help them get beer. <laughs> So it's kind of cool. Wow. Like it like it's really actually starting to take hold now and it's going to it's going to move fast. So, yeah, so we're cool. Super cool. That. Brian, do you remember the name just there's sort of curiosity of the people in Ho Chi Minh City who are brewing there? Oh, uh, it's uh it's it's a American style barbecue restaurant. I don't have the name. I'll I'll pull it up really quick here as we continue. But yeah, there's a there's a couple Americans, I think Texas maybe, a couple of guys that are doing barbecue and craft beer just again, right out of their restaurant. I don't think they're doing any distribution at all, but they're bottling and kegging on site and just kicking out good barbecue and good beer. Whew, man, you guys are making me want to just get on a plane and go all over the region. Here. Call me. That's and all I got to say. I mean, the McKellar <laughs> Bar, if you want to talk yeah. about the change of the scene of craft beer, uh, if you had told me even a year, year ago that there'd be a McKellar Bar in Bangkok, I wouldn't believe you. And now there's a McKellar Bar in Ekamai and it's busy every night. They're doing great things with great beer and it's just really exciting. Okay, cool. Well, put yourself in, in your travel shoes. You're not working. You're in the middle of a trip. Where's your favorite spot for just sitting down and having a beer? And what would that beer be? And I mean, it could be a beach. It could be the side of the road. Just 
If you had 30 minutes and a pocket full of change, where would you be sitting having a beer and what would it be? Brian, would you <laughs> That's a tough question. Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, traveling around Southeast Asia and I've got a pocket full of change, it's going to be a local beer. I'll probably go with a beer Lao or one of the Leo or Singh products. And yeah, sitting on a beach sounds pretty nice. You know, just taking in the um, the ocean, the waves, the, some of the, the the nice islands and the cliffs southern Thailand has to offer. I love the mountains, but if I'm traveling through, I'm going to be sitting on a beach having a local beer, probably with ice as well, beer on ice, yeah. <laughs> and a nice spicy seafood salad or something like that. And for me, that's really that's really a great way to travel Southeast Asia. I'm going to take Perfect. the opposite. Aaron. I'm going to take the opposite tack actually. Uh, if if I'm traveling around, I'm drinking crappy macro lager for the whole time that I'm traveling around because that's all most people have. So I'm going to want a freaking good beer. So I'm going to be sitting at uh, the Good Beer Company or Smith Street Taps at the Hawker Stalls in Chinatown in Singapore. Dan Go, the guy who runs it, is a great guy. And like he's got a phenomenal selection of international beers. And uh, at uh, in bottles at the Good Beer Company, and he just opened up Smith Street Taps with another friend of ours, Ming Chow, and they have a great draft beer selection. And this is sitting in a hawker stall in the middle of Chinatown in Singapore. It's a complete cultural experience. You know that that's man. I wish we'd recorded this last week because I was just in Singapore over the weekend. That's awesome. <laughs> Smith Street Taps was the place I was thinking about up the street from level thirty three because I was like from up there. I, I was like looking back. Well, you can't look back that way, but that's where I was thinking. Uh, that Smith Street Taps I heard is really good. Mm, it's great, great little spot. Hey, you know what? I want to go back to Brian real quick, just because maybe travelers don't understand this or they don't know it, that uh, people in Asia drink beer with ice. Yeah, it was, you know, I've traveled South America and Central America a bit, and I never saw that down there. So it's, it seems to be a pretty much a Southeast Asian thing that they do serve beer with ice. Um, you know, the, the, no matter where you're storing that beer, it's not cold enough for, for a Thailand summer. So you've got to put some ice with it. They drink slower. They dilute it a little bit. A lot of the local beers were like six, six to six point five percent. They've come down a bit more recently, but when I moved here, Chang I think was seven percent, and Sing was six point five. So to cut it with an ice cube or two is not a bad idea. Yeah, and certainly drinking some of those beers uh, with the ice to numb the palate a little bit helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, after a while, I was throwing a cucumber slice or a chili pepper into my Sing just to just to try to liven it up a bit. So. It's uh, um, we've come a long way since those days. Yeah, we used to actually dry hop our macro lagers, <laughs> so like get a bunch get a bunch of hop leaves and stuff like that, and put it in a French press, and then uh, ah. pour your pour your beer in there and French press it. Actually, not too bad. Hmm, that's, <laughs> that's funny. funny. <laughs> What's actually funny is if you do a a blind taste test of the local macro lagers. So, so say for example in Thailand, and it's surprising actually what you find. A lot of us. Like, you've tried that before, right, Brian? Yeah, I did, and uh, I was really su- surprised by the results. We took the Sing, Heineken, Leo, Chang, uh, Cheers, Achar. These are all the local macro lagers, and all of the three guys I did it with, we all had a favorite. One was a Chang guy. I'm a Leo guy, and we thought, no problem. Oh, nice. What are you, what are you opening over there? You know, strangely enough, I'm, I'm here in Honolulu, and if you go to the shops here, like uh, Whole Foods or something, there's about 5,000 different beers to, to, to buy, right? Um, I decided when I was at Costco that I was going to try out some of the Kirkland Signature beers. Oh, that's so, the Target brand, right? Kirkland? Kirkland is, Kirkland is the Costco, Costco brand. Costco brand, okay. 
And nice. uh, the, the, you know what? That, this is what's amazing about America is that these beers are actually quite good. You know, cause you get this Costco case of bottles and there's a, there's an IPA, there's an amber, there's a pale ale, there's a German lager and uh, and they're surprisingly good. So so whereas in Southeast Asia you have Singh and, and Chang and Leo, now here in the US we have Kirkland. Yeah, what we found is that none of us could identify our favorite uh, macro lager and, and we were really off on our blind tasting. We tried to pick which beer was which and nobody you know, out of like seven or eight beers, no one got more than three correct, and we all missed our favorite beer. So it just goes to show that, I don't know, those beers are very similar and, um, you know, not that, that interesting or differential. Hmm. What can uh, travelers expect for prices compared to the Western world when they're drinking and traveling around the region? Mm, so for craft beer, you're going you're gonna to have a sticker shock. Uh, so. <laughs> I, I, every time yeah. I see someone posting craft beer in the States and I look at the prices, I'm, I'm blown away. It seems like it's pretty affordable to drink good beer in America today. today. Um, over here for the macro lagers, you're looking at about a dollar a beer for a regular size 12-ounce bottle from the 7-Eleven, which I think is mm-hmm. comparable to Miller & Bud in those beers. I don't know. I haven't been back in a long time, but I, I think that's comparable. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't buy those beers when I'm home. <laughs> And uh, like it, as Scott was saying earlier, the beers in Singapore are going to be expensive no matter what. Uh, Singapore is a lot more expensive for that. For local, for locally brewed beer, uh, per pint uh, in Singapore, you're looking at about uh, twelve bucks. Yeah, twelve sing, which will be about ten bucks US, something like that. So ten bucks a pint, which is not too much above what you would get, say, in like Lower East Side Manhattan for a beer at a high end bar. Yeah, true. <laughs> Uh, and then if you're looking for uh, import beers, say craft beers or Belgian beers, you're going to be looking at, uh, I don't know, about 8 to 12 U.S. Uh, per bottle, say, in Thailand or in Singapore or something like that. But, you know, actually, maybe we've all been living in Asia for too long, and the, the craft beers are certainly way cheaper if you buy them at, at Safeway here in the U.S. But when I go out to bars here in Honolulu, I'm paying pretty much the same thing I would pay for a rogue at a bar in Bangkok. So I don't think necessarily that, that we're paying much more in the bars in, in Bangkok or Singapore than we are in the U.S. anymore. That's true, actually. And I think the but where you notice the difference is in the off-prem, is in the grocery stores. Mm. So, like, basically, if you want to get a bottle of, uh, say, rogue dead guy, uh, in the States, you're going to get a six pack for five bucks, right? Five or six bucks, something like that. Whereas here you're looking at about six bucks per bottle. So like you're, you'll be, you'll be remiss to go basically, where's my six? I only got one. Right. At the, at the other end, at the other end of the spectrum, if you go to Vietnam, a glass of beer hoi is like 10 cents. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Really cheap. And I think, uh, well, here, you know, I mean, it's expensive for a good craft beer, but in the States, you've got saturation where you can find specials and happy hours and $5 pints, uh, you know, at a certain time. And, and here, it's, we're just really spreading out a bit more. So there, you catch an occasional special. I've had a, a hundred baht for a good beer, um, you know, occasionally. And I think as it grows, we'll have more of these. The prices will come down and people will throw specials and parties more often. So it's just a matter of time before the prices come down a bit. Right on. Well, speaking of parties, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about Birvana and uh, why you guys wanted to do this or how things are going or maybe what some of the challenges are right now. Okay, cool. Yeah, so basically Birvana, like we, as we said earlier, Birvana was born of a dream where both Brian and I basically 
were kind of ensconced in the beer culture back in the States, and we each brewed ourselves back in the States, and, uh, you know, just be became total beer lovers. We both came here and really, you know, really missed our beer from home, so we started the company. And since starting a couple of years ago, it's just been phenomenal what's happened in the Thai beer scene. Uh, we started off basically with 12 customers, uh, four people working at Beerbana, and a really fun uh, group of about 20 people who were just doing jumping jacks and cartwheels to get an IPA in their, in their fridge at home, you know? So that was really fun. And now about two years later, we're at about 115 accounts. Uh, wholesale customers. We have sub distribution in every region in Thailand. Uh, we have about 14 people working at the company, and we have about 430 people that we do home delivery for. So, wow. yeah, it's been amazing. Like the growth story has just been crazy. We started off with three pallets of beer, and now in this last month, we actually came in with uh, about 25. Okay, how many how many bottles is that? Just so our listeners understand. We started off with about uh, 4,500 bottles, and now we're doing about 25,000, something like that. Wow, that's a lot, a lot of thirsty people. <laughs> we're, ha we're, we're happy. We're very happy. But what's been really cool is like we started off basically with the foreigner crowd, the expats, uh, as our main market, actually. And when we started off, I think we were about 90% foreigner and only about 10% local Thai. But what's happened over the last couple of years is now we're, we're only about 60% foreigner and now about uh, 40% Thai, and our estimation is that by next year that's going to flip. So it's been amazing just to be a part of this, like, uh, you know, full on trend and fad in Thai society where basically craft beer is hip. So it's been really fun to kind of see it to to see it all come about. So do you think that that trend is going to expand into the rest of Southeast Asia? It's it's totally going to happen. I mean, like craft beer is perfectly uh, situated uh, in the market where it's essentially cheaper than wine, but it's an elevated drink. It's something that is, is accessible and has a variety that, that no other beverage on earth can actually match. And it's cold and refreshing, and it just goes so well with spicy you know, Asian food. It seems to go much better than wine with a lot of the dishes that, that we enjoy over here. Um, and that's been the really cool part, to watch Thai beer geeks come out of the woodwork and say, have you ever tried this beer, Pliny the Elder, or, you know, naming obscure beers that are kind of not really available anywhere, much, you know, distance from the breweries themselves. And these kids have been on YouTube and, and reading and, and um, you know, researching about these beers, and they're just dying to try them. Uh, there's, there's crazy Thai beer geeks that I would have never expected and they had this, they kind of skipped over all the years of American craft beer. We started with amber ales and we moved into IPA and pale ales and then got extreme. And these kids just, they want straight to the triple IPA. You know, they're, they're ready for, for the extreme beers right away. And it's, it's just really fascinating. They're, it's really cool. Yeah, and it's pretty easy for people to spot your beer now. I was in Bangkok two weekends ago and I was surprised how many places I went. I saw beer vana per, a paraphernalia and, and whatnot and your beers that you're bringing in. So clearly people are getting hooked on it. It's, and it's great to see it. Any travelers to Thailand will see those beers out there. Yeah, I think our ultimate goal, though, what I would love to see is a vibrant local brewing scene. Mm. So yeah. everywhere, like, you know, around the world, like if you look at the American craft brewing scene, it started with home brewers. And those guys eventually blossomed to become some of the best brewers and most successful brewers in the country. And uh, that similar thing, I really want to happen in Thailand or sorry, in Southeast Asia generally. And so if you look at Singapore, Singapore is very advanced. They actually 
made homebrewing legal. So that's like you have a really strong kind of you brew community there. Uh, but I really want to see that really grow around the region. And I'm, I'm really hoping that, that the beers that we're bringing in are inspiring a younger generation of brewers to actually stand up and actually change the laws, much like, say, Sam Calgione of Dogfish Head did in Delaware back in the 1980s, you know, or sorry, 1990s. Well, that's a very, that's a hopeful note for you to end on. No, but I, yeah, I think it's great, and it's great what you guys are doing. And, and, and Scott, we're glad to see that you were able to see the Beervana uh, logo around so that people know where to get uh, good craft beer when they're in Thailand. Uh, and the rest of the region, I think people should just explore a bit. There's a Black Panther Stout and all sorts of other interesting uh, beers available in the region. Uh, any last words you guys want to give? I can just give a quick rundown of some beers people should check out for sure. Oh, yeah, great. So, like, if you're in Indonesia, like, the, the main macro beer is going to be Bintang, which is actually owned and brewed by the Heineken guys. Uh, but if you want to look for something a little bit more local, there's uh, Stark is a local brewer there. So they're, they're like, the beer is, it's mostly wheat beers, and, it, and it's, it, it's not a phenomenal beer, but it's a, actually a pretty decent local beer to get, uh, it, it's, especially when you're comparing it to Bintang. Uh, if you're looking at uh, uh, KL... Uh, there's a great little beer bar there called Taps, T-A-P-S, and there's also uh, they they have a, a really wide selection of uh, international beers that you can get basically imported stuff. There's a, there's also a bottle shop called Ales and Lagers that's available in uh, downtown KL. A really cool guy named Kenny running that place. Uh, Singapore has got a ton of places. You'll just have to just 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 Google craft beer Singapore <laughs> and you'll be overrun. Uh, and, uh, similarly in, uh, uh, Laos and Cambodia, uh, those are just kind of starting up, but I think in, in Cambodia, I would say check out kingdom for sure. Yeah. There's a great app. You can use the several different apps untapped as well. And rate beer will list all these beers, all these, these, um, you know, it, it's updated all the time. So if you're traveling in Southeast Asia, you, you, you don't have to forego good beer. It is here. You just have to find it. And there's, there's a lot of technology out there that will help you find it. That's solid. And we'll, we'll put this stuff in our show notes, too, so people listening can go and uh, get links to all these bars and beers and apps and stuff like that. Fantastic. Great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, guys. A real pleasure. Yeah, man. It's been really great talking with you and spreading the love of beer. Yeah, keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Yep. Aloha. Thanks. All right. Great. Great to have Aaron and Brian here with us today. Yeah, Scott? Yeah, they're really interesting guys. They uh, sure are passionate about beer. And it's kind of neat to think that they could well be responsible for, like they mentioned, inspiring people to change laws and ultimately hopefully get homebrewing happening and change the drinking culture in a part of the world. Well, it seems like it's already happening, and it's great to get their insight on all the different uh, beer culture and, and beer you know, news and, and what's going on in the region because uh, there is kind of a vibrant beer scene here that, that most people aren't aware of beyond uh, beer saying, beer chong, and, you know, just what, what you'd expect there to be. Yeah, so, and one of the points here, they mentioned so many places to drink, restaurants, bars, specific beers. They mentioned an app, is that you can make this part of your trip in Southeast Asia. So make sure you check out our website. We're going to put the links for the beers, uh, the pubs and the apps, everything we discussed on there, and, and you can find those and make it part of your next trip. Yep, 
And uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to Southeast Asia soon and seeing the vibrant beer scene that's happening there. And uh, I think some of those apps and some of those leads uh, are going to be really helpful for, for my appreciation of beer in the region. Um, so we thank everybody for joining us uh, this week with Aaron and Brian of Beervana, and we hope to see you back here in two weeks for our next episode. Over and out. Have a good one, Trevor. Yep. Aloha, Scott. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Cam-